Welcome to the Engineers Podcast. My name is Aiden and I'm a principal engineer with over 10 years of experience in mechanical engineering. And my goal is to guide you all the way from when you decide to either do an apprenticeship or go to university to becoming a professional engineer. So on this week's episode, I thought I would uh, upload what was going to be the first episode of this podcast. And that was done with the next colleague of mine who's actually a very good friend of mine. And he's an apprentice, or he started as an apprentice, I should say. And he's also now a engineer. Now, the format of this show is kind of a bit different because it was going to be our initial episode. I did edit it. I was going to publish it. But then the show took kind of a different direction because we were going to do like a co-host kind of thing. But then he kind of uh, backed out of it just because of time commitment stuff. So we weren't going to focus on this with him. Instead, we've gone down a different route. Him and I are doing something else. So it's still kind of like an introduction, but it puts into perspective the difference between a apprentice and an engineer and the path. And it's better to have an insight from both parties. So here we go. Without further ado, here's the interview with uh, Ben and myself. Hello, Ben. Hello, Aiden. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's been a we've been trying to record this for how long now? Oh, it must have been at least two months mm. on and off. Yes. Just trying to find a day that suits us both. And We were trying to record the a gaming podcast, but we thought, well, we're both engineers, so we should do this. Yeah. Let's incorporate some uh, some of our work into, into the podcast. So this is a where we are going to um, introduce what we do. Uh, we've... Uh, Ben's younger than me, quite a bit younger than me. I say that I'm 34. Oh, I think. How old are you, Ben? You're 26. Like maybe 27. 27. 27. So we got a seven-year gap. Um, but we met at the last company we worked at, which was Teledyne, and we got on quite well because I used to run a gaming podcast back then, and Ben used to do a bit of Twitch streaming. Um, Indeed. Yeah. But we're here today to tell you, you know, because we've we've come from different career paths. So for, for those of you who think engineers just go to university, Ben is a good example of ones who go through a different route. So he went through, he'll tell you later what he went through, but um, he basically did the apprenticeship bit and uh, he'll tell you how he got to where he is. And I'll tell you how I got to where I am. Um, so... Shall we start with why did we want to become engineers, Ben? Question. Good question. Why did <laughs> you want years, to? It? <laughs> why did you want to become an engineer? Well, scripted answer is because I've always loved knowing how things work, working with computers, working with cars, a bit hands-on, but also mm. just yeah, you've you've got you've got um, your Nissan. What is it? A three fifty. Yeah, Nissan 350Z, which had a fair bit of work done to it. Um, but before that, I've had other cars as well. But I've always built my own computers and, you know, the electronics and the and, and mechanics of both cars and computers have always sort of fascinated me. And that's 
really early on in my life where I, I kind of knew I wanted to be doing something um, along those lines. Um, and obviously during school, um, secondary school, that is sixth form, I took um, physics, so science-based and math-based subjects, physics, math, chemistry, biology, um, those sort of things, product design. Uh, and really I sort of knew, I knew then that that was where I wanted to to place my career and where I wanted to, to focus my energy and time really. So that, that's what, what sort of inspired me to become an engineer. Um, and also some of my family members have also been in that kind of industry where they've, they've, um, you know, I had a, a software engineer as an uncle and then, uh, my dad was a chemical engineer. Um, I've got a few family friends that are in the construction industry. So really I've, I've talking to them. I, I just, I wanted to keep it broad at the time, but I knew I wanted to be within engineering. Yes. So, um, yeah. How about yourself? Well, um, as you know, I wasn't born in the UK. I, uh, I was uh, born in Kenya and my, I always remember people telling me that my grandfather was an aircraft engineer for British airways and he was, um, head of engineering. Uh, of East Africa for a while. Uh, All right. But, you know, even though I, I, I don't remember him because he passed only a few years after I was born, but, you know, he always saw all his certificates on my nan's wall and stuff and said, oh, I want to be, I want to be an engineer. I don't know what engineer, uh, because yeah. I always used to be, do silly things like take a, take apart like these really expensive antique clocks that my grandmother used to own and <laughs> sure she loved you for that because oh, yeah. every time I put them back together they never worked <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think then i thought well i want to be an engineer i wanted to be a chemical engineer uh, initially mm. but uh after doing chemistry um at a levels i was like no i can't do this this is this is this is too much this is boring this is i can't be doing these equations sort of molecules and chains yeah and, oh. i was like no yeah, mixing equation. stuff mixing stuff is what i want to do but i don't think the job would involve mixing anything at the end of it <laughs> so i thought oh well i'll be an i'll be an aeronautical engineer so i came over here went to university um for 4 years did did a placement and uh, mm -hmm. during that time, the UK went into recession. This was back in 2007, while the world went into recession. And, Say the world, yeah. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I uh, I knew someone else who used to know my grandfather, and he got me a placement year. It was it was probably the uh, um, you ever made like you ever been like the tea boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I during my work experience, I was a. Uh, yeah, a glorified tea boy, yeah. really. And that's pretty pretty much what I was. I was working at this um, an, uh, aircraft refurbishment place. Uh, it was an engineering placement, but honestly, what I was doing was putting up shelves and doing tea, <laughs> vacuuming the floor and all of that. But It'll start somewhere. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that most of my class didn't do a placement. And mm. when I came out of university... That's how I got my first job. I, I was literally unemployed for two weeks after university. and See, that's pretty good. A lot of people go quite a long time. Yeah, and I think out of the whole class, four of us did a placement, and five of us ended up with a job out of, I think, 40 students. So 36 did not get into engineering at the end of it. Um, Sad, really, because it's a case for a lot of universities 
cases and, sh- and courses and things that people people may end up getting work that's, that's you know got nothing to do with the degree they've just spent three or four years um or even longer in some cases uh, studying it's 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 um it's messed up because at university it's not like um an apprenticeship where you're always working it's basically you go you go to class every day yes you have your whatever student job so i was working at mcdonald's at the time you've got that crappy mm-hmm. job um to pay the bills and stuff but you don't have the work experience and i remember when looking mm-hmm. for jobs it was grad graduate with experience how are you supposed to be a i've never understood how you're supposed yeah. to be a graduate with work experience this is this is where the apprenticeship sort of shines through a little bit because yeah, I mean, I remember doing the, well, having the same problem, really. So searching for jobs for a long, long time before I joined the apprenticeship. Same as you, I had a, a sort of job on the side of studying at sick form. Um, knew I wanted to become an engineer. Every job was saying you need a minimum of X years experience or, um, you know, so, such and such qualification that you wouldn't have got unless you were already in that in that field. Um, so really, I mean... <laughs> thinking of ways that you can get both um you know you can get some experience you can get the qualifications apprenticeships really hit the spot on that one so uh that's where i was i started looking um i started looking in it i started looking in uh, lots of different places but fundamentally as long as it within was in within the engineering sector sector i didn't mind yeah when i when i went to university uh apprenticeships were dead in this country they they had died probably a few just a couple of years before I, I came here. Uh, there weren't even any apprentices in up until I think tw- when 2011, 2012 was when the UK started pushing for apprenticeships again, I think. Yeah, it just sort of took off, didn't it? Yeah, it just went it went through the roof one day. Because um, when did you start yours? 2014 yeah. was when I started mine. But in, you know, during secondary school, it wasn't really it wasn't really seen as the right thing to do. University was always the thing that was plugged by the teachers and the staff and everyone was saying, well, if you don't go to university, you're not going to become anything or make anything of your life. So, yeah. you know, it was always a... I mean, u- university, it's going to probably make a few people hate me for saying this, but at the end, <laughs> it's just a piece of paper, you know? Uh, it is. I mean, I can understand having all the theory and, and you know, a good example, which we'll probably talk about at some point is some of the staff at where we used to work, where we met mm. um, may have been, you know, very highly qualified, but didn't know which end of the screwdrivers hold or. Yeah. And that's not an understatement. It's not, it is genuinely the truth. Um, worryingly. <laughs> yeah. But with the practical experience of engineering, um, you, you can go a long way. Uh, so I got a, um, because I couldn't be asked when I went to university, you know, I did my first two years <laughs> and then I was like, I need a break. That's why I did my placement. Yeah. And then I ended up just getting a two, two at the end of it. But even people who got first didn't get jobs. So at the end of it, it's all about the experience behind you. Um, mm-hmm. And you do have some of the knowledge that you use. Probably don't use 90% of it, but <laughs> you use some of it. Yeah. Well, you do use a lot of it and probably without realizing, um, but no, you're you're right in saying that you know you could study a a master's in a particular form of engineering, and if you're niche at that point, and then your 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 job is not in that exact you know field, then you you might you might struggle to make use of everything you've spent four years learning. Um, 
I think that's really what because I did actually get into four universities, um, but I I turned them down, which a lot of people would probably have. Um, well, yeah, I know I know I can name a few people that weren't particularly happy at those that choice, but I just felt that studying or continuing to study was almost putting off the fact that I you know wanted to get out into the world and start earning money. Um, and it was an excuse just to say, oh, I'll have another four years of working out what I really want to do. And that's never a bad thing, I know. But um, I, I felt that I just wanted to to get out and about and experience the world, really. So, Well, look, to be fair, the first year of university is just a big piss-up. <laughs> um, big, big freshers. Yeah. Fresh but, week, freshers year. For any Americans, piss-up is like when you drink a lot of alcohol all the time and you don't remember anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, when I finished university, I then ended up working at a aerospace design company. And yeah, it was it was probably the worst job I've ever done, to be <laughs> fair. I mean being uh, being in aero being in aerospace for a start, there's so much red tape. It's either Airbus or Boeing telling you what you can and cannot do. You know, those are mm-hmm. the two big big players in it. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, I was doing structural engineering and, and design and a few other things, but w- w- one of the things in it was all the red tape and it just got boring because it was, it was, yeah, there was some structural involved, but then it was seat layouts, PSU layouts. I think, yeah, there's probably a lot of restrictions, right? So as an engineer, you want to be able to, I don't know, uh, Explore and no, there's nothing wrong with being a draftsman, but if that's what you like, but that's not what I like. I don't like to just be told what to do mm. and just draw it because at the end of it, you become like I used to, we always used to make a joke that all we are are line, line, and <laughs> circle engineers. That's all we do, we draw lines and circles all day, yeah, on um, on like 2D CAD. So, um. So anyway, yes, so I, I got out of that. I think I lasted one year and nine months in that job. And right. I just had to leave. And it was so bad that I just completely changed career path. I went from being in aerospace, what I wanted to do for many years, even had the degree in aeronautical engineering, and then went to a company that made um, fuel injection armatures, fuel and... Um, uh, Dyson vacuum motor magnets. So they made um, fuel injection armatures out of powder metal for Bosch and who was the other one? Caterpillar. Right. Um, Now, for a lot of people who don't know, Bosch is actually the biggest manufacturer of fuel injectors in the world. They supply to almost every single um, car. And... Mm both diesel and and petrol. Um, obviously, back in, when was that? That was probably just before you started your apprenticeship. I joined there. So back in 2014, there was this huge push for, um, was it pushing for diesel at the time? I can't remember if they were pushing for diesel. So there was huge demand for diesel fuel injectors at the time. Because mm. um, if you remember, the UK government was pushing for diesel cars. Uh, what a big mistake yes. that was. Yeah. <laughs> Good for the company I worked for, to be fair. Um, 
But then I, I'm, I was more into making the uh, big motor magnets for the uh, Koenigs. Is that what is what the, the name of I can never pronounce that car right. Oh, um, Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg, that's it. The big motor magnets that, that ran its um, power unit. Yeah. I uh, made a few of them. And um, then mostly were, were on the Dyson um, vacuums after a while, doing the design and... Uh, yeah, stress testing and all of that. That was fun. Um, did you enjoy that as a role? I did because it was it was it was a huge project role. Being doing um, you know testing all the robotics that we had to buy, doing all the you know powder pressing is quite a really interesting field that opened me up to a lot of materials that I never knew uh, existed at the time, and that's basically why you know where I am now considered the material expert mm. quotations because of the last few companies I worked at. Let's just rewind a bit because I don't want to talk about the next company I joined because that's where you actually started as an apprentice, isn't it, Ben? It is. So I left school at 18 after doing my A-levels. Um, left with pretty good grades, as I say. I got into some universities but decided I wanted to do the apprenticeship. What universities? Um, so I got into Loughborough, Reading, um, Portsmouth and Cambridge. Cambridge, you you declined Cambridge. I did, which is a massive move, isn't oh. it? So, <laughs> you, um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of my my choices to submit the um, I forget what the name of it is now, but um, it's not UCAS, is it? It is UCAS. It is. It is, it is UCAS, is yeah. it? So all the application form, and obviously you, you submit to all these universities. You go for your open days, this, that, and the other. You, I mean, you know the you know the drill. Um, and I went through all of that and, and got acceptance letters from the majority of the ones I applied to, one of which being Cambridge. Um, but I turned that down uh, to become uh, an apprentice technician at uh, E2V, Teledyne E2V, or what was E2V at the time, Marconi, formerly. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Because when I came there for my interview, uh, when I got my first interview – the sign said yep. E2V. When I got my second one, it said Teledyne E2V. <laughs> yeah, we got taken over in, um, oh, it must have been 2018. So 2018? Yeah. Yeah, it must Possibly. have been back then, yeah. Um, but yeah, formerly Marconi back in back in the sort of 50s onwards, making electron tubes for um, and clystrons for, for and IOTs, actually, for televisions and for, for the radio industry. Um, and that's where we started and branching out into to radar and, and other applications as well, which, uh, which kept me there for a total of, uh, nine years, almost nine years. Yeah. Nine years dedicated. So started at September, 2013, but I didn't really count that bit before, uh, before Christmas. Cause that was more of an introductory period. Um, and then my apprentice began for three years, which was a, um, qualification supported apprenticeship where we got uh, up to MVQ level three, uh, BTEC level three um, in gen- general engineering's, 
and yeah. then the option to continue and learn your level four qualifications, which H and C and NVQ level four, which I did. Um, and NVQ level four is equivalent to a bachelor's degree at university now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So if uh, it's effectively got me in this, a similarly qualified role, um, as to those who obviously would have gone to university and done a bachelor's, um, just a completely different way of doing it. How long did it take you to get to your NVQ level four? Um, so I did have to complete the three-year study program um, that the, that Teledyne had set out um, for a number of apprentices, and I think we had one of the largest year of intakes with about fifteen of us initially, um, whittled down to about seven by the end. <laughs> but um, just through through personal and also through the company. Um, realizing they may have taken on some people they uh, they shouldn't have and um and really yeah that that was th- at the end of that period that's when we were given um sort of a an insight into what we could do um within those three years of working during the apprenticeship we were doing rotations around the company so we sort of knew um the areas that we that that, that were interesting to us and the areas that certainly weren't um, I yeah had some had some fun in some of those rotations and, uh, and not a lot of fun in some of them as well. So it's really where we learned, learned where we wanted to go. Um, and, and then we were able to, to push for a final placement in that particular area of our choice, interview for it, like a panel interview. And then providing we were successful, then one-to-one chats with those managers of, in, you know, in those particular areas, then led to further education like HNC and, and MVQ4. So. And how long was your um, NVQ level four? It's as long as you want it to be. It can be six months. It can be two years. It took me about a year and a couple of months, really, just to compile all the folder and questions and things. So would you say five years from... You went from A-levels? I went from A-levels, so not including A-levels, probably five years. Five years. um, To get to a a situation where I was similarly qualified to that of of a bachelor's engineer. I mean, to be fair, that's not bad. I know a bachelor's degree that I did was three years, yeah. Uh, but I did four because I did the sandwich placement. So it's not that bad, considering that you get paid for those five years. Yeah, not particularly handsomely paid, but yeah, yeah. you get paid. Well you, can, <laughs> well, you can say at least for three years you get paid than more than people do that go to university because they're not getting paid to do anything. That's true. Actually, it's the reverse. They get themselves into uh, to debt. But. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even even as I know our apprentices aren't paid great, but a lot of you guys live at your parents' house and uh, and all of this, so you've got that luxury. There was that. So for the period of well, three of the five years um, of my study, and I live with my parents at home, and then I moved out with my partner, and then we got married in 2020. So Yeah. 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 So, um yeah, I remember because I wasn't invited to the wedding. I remember you got married to with her. Oh, oh, there's a story there, and that was that I didn't know you overly well when I set up when I, you know, when I organised the wedding, and it was only really in the later stages of the planning of the wedding and running up to it that we really got. Sorry, sorry, got you, 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 you mean that the person that got you the job that you had in that yes. department? Right, I see. Okay, yeah, <laughs> didn't even get an invite. I think we need to move on now. <laughs> Anyway, so that's so that's where you were. You got all of those qualifications. Then in twenty
Oh God, when was it? Was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. Mm-hmm. I joined Teledyne. You did as a senior production engineer. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I went, I went in there. Now, this is the thing. We're going to talk about this on a different episode about engineers and their personalities. Because I went in there actually to be the team leader for a department called Thyrotrons. Um, and a, a Thyrotron is effectively a very a good way of thinking is a very fast switch um, for um, chemotherapy machines and test gears for um, testing magnetrons. Um, essentially, I always call it a light bulb because that's what they look like. Very big light bulb. Uh, is that right? That's the definition yeah. of a thyrotron. Yeah, effectively, yeah. it's a it's a high powered switch. Yeah. Um, and and I remember going into the interview, and I was interviewed by the head of vacuum engineering at the time. Um, it's not the it's not like vacuum cleaners. That vacuum engineering means uh, basically whatever the device is is pumped down under vacuum, and mm. then kept and then sealed. And I remember at the time. Main concern was, can you deal with engineers like this? Like (laughs) ones who were so set in their ways that it was either their way or no other way. Uh, I went through all the the process, and at the end of it, he he then then had another interview with this this gentleman called Scott. Um, Obviously, Ben knows Scott as well. Great guy. had a lot of time for him, and the interview with him was was hot, was one of the harshest ones I've ever done. But at the end of it, I got the job with him. And just to give you a perspective of how difficult these engineers were, there was a guy who then took on the role of that team leader role, and I think he lasted like two or three months mm. at the time. He did, yeah, very very little yeah. time. He uh, he wasn't wasn't uh, yeah. Yeah, so I started as a uh, senior production engineer, then doing um, magnetrons. A magnetron is essentially you get them in the microwaves as well. It's just if you just think about it, it's a, made for a very large microwave to treat people for cancer. Um, so harsh as it sounds, um, one day we might explain to you what a magnetron is when we find out what it is ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know? Yeah. yeah, we worked on this device for four years and still don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was so interesting because um, we'll, we'll we will talk about how backwards the the production line was on another episode and stuff. But in terms of um, yeah, it was it was something special that not in a good way the production line. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you would know as well, having worked on your side of it and. Yeah, I think we'll definitely cover that in a in a in another show of um, you know, because I came from high volume production, and when I say high volume, I mean like twenty five to thirty million parts a year. Um, you know, these machines were knocking out, you know, parts a second. It was it was crazy to going here where you'd be lucky to get a part in a day sometimes. <laughs> um, you would, and and the whole you know the product manufacturing cycle for our one of our devices was like most of a week, really. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then obviously, then we because um, you worked at various roles in there. But were you when you first joined? Were you mostly projects um, when you were when you f- actually f- did your final placement? 
Yeah, so my final placement was in um, sort of a, a development role uh, where fundamentally all I was really supporting was all the ongoing projects we had as a company at the, at the time for that particular product. Um, so, yeah, I found found myself doing a lot of varied work initially. Um, and there was one particular project, which again, we'll go into in a different episode, but I kind of found my, my niche and sat into, settled into quite well. Um, and spent the majority of my time, but it had always that part of you know the development, the the variety that was involved with the testing and the designing, everything of that. A new product lifecycle is um, is is where I kind of specialised for, for the majority of my years. There, yeah, because um, yeah, I went from doing the new product lifecycle at the previous company to doing a production line at this one, um, mm. and. So far, that was the longest job I lasted in, three years and nine months. Um, <laughs> so I got moved because a Teledyne ETV can't delve into this too much, but they are they do do defense products. Yeah. Because um, I'm actually bound. You actually sign a document now that tells what you in can't do. So, yeah. so, yeah. So, so this bit, I can't really talk about what I did, but they moved me into defense and... I wasn't too happy in it because, um, you know, for obvious reasons. Of, mm. um, Just morally. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then also we on another, we have a lot we can talk about because mainly we also have to talk about management of engineers and engineering managers and, and things like this. And that was one of the reasons I decided to leave us because Scott was no longer my boss at the time. I was moved completely to a different department um, because... Uh, even though they hire a lot of people from different backgrounds, like they'll they'll you know they'll hire people from different countries in Europe. Uh, you working there, if you're English with a British passport, you have security clearance, and um, that lets you work on on defense products. Because um, I think you had security clearance as well, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's quite a, it's it's a again cover that on another episode of how difficult it is to to get and how many forms you have to fill um but it's it's one of the things that uh, you um one of the criteria funnily enough to to work on a magnetron um but because i was british you had to you had to do it uh, just in case they ever moved you to one of these devices which they did for me um so anyway uh didn't like that um and then had uh, clashing with the manager so i then moved uh, to a company called Timesco Healthcare, um, who specialize in respiratory products and intubation uh, techniques, and uh, our principal engineer there doing R and D. And they bought a three D resin printer again. Something else to talk about. Really, really cool machine. That um, Considering that you managed to buy a 3D printer, didn't you, Ben, at Teledyne, which is a multinational billion-dollar corporation? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we did have a price limit, and it was, unfortunately, quite low. Um, so it did mean we weren't <laughs> able to delve into the, uh, well, not even new technologies, but yeah. we weren't so, even really So when he says quite low, to put that into perspective, the 3D printer that this small company I work for bought was £8,000, which is about $12,000. Um and they're not a million dollar corporate billion dollar corporation. So yeah, it goes to show how stingent the other company was with money. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, 
despite the fact we we were a multi-million pound company, multinational as well by the end of it, um, we didn't like to invest in new technologies. Uh, we were still working with technologies from a uh, a century. And we're not joking where we were. It was um, so. Um, just to tell you how old some of this technology was, there was a um, a unit that I used to work with. Very, and when I say old, it was back in. It was used back in the day, wasn't it, to make um, the old CRT TVs? Yeah, you know the ones bef- even before the nineties, like the initial beginning ones. Yep, so you're um, talking yeah, early eighties, yeah, late seventies. Basically, that sort of era. before that was probably ten years before I was born because I was born in eighty eight. <laughs> so, yeah. So to use for someone to make you use a machine, you know, don't get me wrong, it, it still w- kind of works. But to make you use a machine that was made bef- way before you were born, it's it's something it's else. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, it's not just pressing a button, is it? It's doing a hell of a lot more. No, and I think that will be covered again when we cover things like culture and engineering yeah. and management and 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 hierarchies and hoops that you have to jump through a lot of that will make more sense but um um yes yeah so anyway i left um obviously now i'm at timesco um and and then it was down to you yeah so you left you started a bit of a train a few other people left for a number of reasons um i was one of those people as well um again for for different reasons but um management and and the role that i was particularly fulfilling at the time didn't really um sit with me particularly well so i started interviewing elsewhere and ended up at a job uh company called hsb engineering and we're an insurance company that specialize in sort of engineering um applications uh, anything from pressure, from lifting equipment, from uh, COSH, so dangerous substances, disease, gases and atmospheres, th- those sort of things. Um, and I'm a surveyor, so I'll go around to different companies, um, our clients, and I will ensure that all the safety features of, of every system is working adequately and all of the installations and, and everything are, are up to scratch and, and meet all health and safety laws and regulations. Um, and then report on that, and that is their uh, that provides their valid insurance certificate. Should anything, fingers crossed, it doesn't go wrong. Um, so a bit of a career change, really, from medical to uh, the I call it the real world. Yeah. <laughs> but, but really, it's it's everything else. So in you know, almost fit in this little bubble where you, where I was before. Um, that the medical industry is the medical industry, and nothing really. Um, you know, comes into it. I mean, you you do use different technologies, but what I mean by that is it's not always uh, obvious that you're doing mechanical or electrical. It's the the product is always. I think yeah, what you because what you're trying to say is because I know the product we worked on was very specialist. It was too niche yeah. in a way that you didn't allow you to. Um really realize or appreciate how the rest of the world operated it's in engineering so, it's so niche that we only know one other company who makes a similar product exactly. 
and, and that's it and that made it good business don't yeah. get me wrong and and the ethics behind it were, were fantastic what mm. we were doing it for but yeah uh, just the company the, the way it ran unfortunately meant a lot of people had had enough um so yeah now i i work with a lot of different industries construction uh manufacturing um you know design um so yeah anything really from from civil mechanical i mean every day you have a great story to tell which we're gonna definitely go through i mean <laughs> clients and meets it's incredible sometimes some of the stories he tells us even even some of the stuff he does just you know like getting stuck in lifts and everything else yeah You're quite funny stories there um i i do have a gross story that i can tell as well about my job that i had to do the other day um again we have a <laughs> lot we can talk about here which is why we started yeah, this podcast because uh you know we are we are two um engineers who have gone different very different paths uh but we we met at the same job we got on um didn't get invited yep. to his wedding but that's uh you know yeah 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 I'm never going to forget that um and, <laughs> but yeah no we become very good mates we see each other for coffee quite a bit go out for a few beers every now and again have game night it's quite good so hmm. um can't yeah. complain too much and that's where we are both now. So, you know, I'm still in healthcare, but a very different kind. Mm. Not so niche anymore. How long have you been in Timescare? Well, actually, in about a week's time, it would have been one year exactly. No, really? Yeah. It's gone quickly. And you haven't been out that long. Uh, what are you? Are you, um, you started I'm in January, didn't in. you? Yeah, so I'm yeah. seven months in, almost eight now. Um, but uh, yeah, I think initially I had a, a three, four week training period. Mm. Um, some of it hands on, some of it theory based, um, and then a, a training period where I was out with other surveyors just to learn really what I was supposed to be, learn, you know, looking at in particular all the all the specific safety features of different bits of equipment. Um, and yeah, I've been out on my own for probably about three months now. So uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, very good. So, um, yeah, luckily, we're both enjoying our jobs. We are. Uh, you know, uh, well, one tip is, if you're not enjoying your job, the grass is definitely greener. It is. It is. Um, I know more cases of people saying that than it not being greener. So um, Yeah, so n- never be afraid to change jobs if uh, if you feel like you're underappreciated. Yeah. And well, that's it. This is the end of the episode. And yeah, it's been it's been great talking to you, Ben. And uh, yeah, I will probably speak to you later. Indeed. Yeah. Take care. Hope you enjoyed that episode, everyone. That was with my good friend, Ben. And we'll try and get him a few more times on the show because he has some great stories to tell about his job because he gets in some really, really awkward situations. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch, you know, be it by email or LinkedIn. I'll leave a description to everything in the in the links below. And, you know, if you did like the show, please do subscribe to it and just give me your feedback. I would really appreciate that. And until the next episode, I hope you have a great day. And during this journey to you becoming the best engineer you can be.